Hello, and welcome back to Breakfast with Mom. We are your hosts. I'm Shanoa. And I'm Sandra. How are you, Mom? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Summer has already been busy. The teenage girl has had drill camp all this week. I'm a little tired. She's got sleepaway camp next week, so I won't have to get up so early to take her to camp like I had to this week. She'll already be there, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's all right. Are you ready for today's story? Yes. My resources can be found in the show notes. You can also find links to our social media and our email address. Today, I want to tell you about Anna Moore. She was the first immigrant to pass through Ellis Island, New York. For those of you that do not know or remember, Ellis Island is a federally owned island in New York Harbor, situated within the U.S. states of New Jersey and New York. That was the busiest immigration inspection and processing station in the United States. From 1892 to 1954, nearly 12 million immigrants arriving at the port of New York and New Jersey were processed there under federal law. Today, it is part of the Statue of Liberty National Monument and is accessible to the public only by ferry. The north side of the island is the site of the main building now a National Museum of Immigration. The south side of the island, including the Ellis Island Immigration Hospital, is open to the public only through guided tours. The hubby and I were actually very fortunate that we got to go to Liberty Island. And the ferry rides are very wet. (laughs) So (laughs) if you go on one of these ferries, don't wear clothes you intend to wear to dinner that night. (laughs) (laughs) just a little tourist 411 in the 19th century ellis island was the site of fort gibson and later became a naval magazine the first inspection station opened in 1892 and was destroyed by fire in 1897 the second station opened in 1900 and housed facilities for medical quarantines and processing immigrants After 1924, Ellis Island was used primarily as a detention center for migrants. During both World War I and World War II, its facilities were also used by the U.S. military to detain prisoners of war. After the immigration station's closure in 1954, the buildings languished for several years until they were partially reopened in 1976. The main building and adjacent structures were completely renovated in 1990. The Ellis Island Immigration Museum opened on September 10, 1990, replacing the American Museum of Immigration on Liberty Island, which closed in 1991. There's so much more information about Ellis Island that could be that itself could be its own episode, but today is for Anna Moore. Anna Moore, also known as Annie Moore, was born on September I'm sorry, April 24th, 1874, to Matthew and Julia Moore in Cork County, Ireland. In 1888, her parents would move to New York, leaving Anna and her siblings in Ireland to be cared for by family. In 1891, her parents would send for 17-year-old Anna and her brothers, Anthony and Philip. Philip was 12 and Anthony was 15. They left from Queenstown, Ireland, which is in County Cork, on December 20th and would arrive in New York on December 31st, which means they spent Christmas on a ship alone, which is sad. 
they traveled on the on the SS Nevada steamboat. The SS Nevada was part of the steamship company Guyan Line, which particularly this particular steamboat would be in operation from 1869 through 1893. It would then be sold to the Dominion Line of that year. From my research, Annie's parents most likely came to America because they were pushed out of Ireland by religious conflicts, lack of political anatomy, and dire economic conditions. They may have been, they may have seen America as a place where they could take part in the promise of land ownership and greater religious freedom, which is why most people came to America in the very beginning. The SS Nevada had arrived too late on the 31st to be processed at the facility, so the passengers had to spend another night on the ship. The passengers would finally be processed at 10.30 a.m. on the 1st of January, 1892. So, day one of the new year, come aboard. Mm-hmm. Here is an excerpt from the History Channel's website about Annie Moore. The brown-haired Irish teenager was the first to bound down the gangplank with her brothers in tow. She entered through the enormous double doors of the carnivorous three-story wooden building, described as, quote, little more than a big business shed, unquote, by the New York Tribune, and skipped two steps at a time up the main staircase, turning to her left. The girl was ushered into one of ten aisles and up to a tall lectern-like registry desk. What is your name, my girl? asked Charles Henley, a former Treasurer Department official who had requested the honor of registering the new station's first immigrant. Any more, sir, replied the Irish girl. Wielding his pen over a fresh piece of paper, Henley inked Moore's name and those of her brothers, Anthony and Philip, along with their ages. Last place of residence and intended destination on the first page of the first registry book. Anna was then escorted into the room where former Congressman John B. Weber, a federal superintendent of immigration for the Port of New York, gave her a $10 gold piece and wishes for a happy new year. A Catholic chaplain blessed her and gave her a silver coin, while another bystander slipped her a $5 gold piece before she passed into the waiting room in her arms of her parents. That was probably the most money that girl had ever seen in her entire life. I wonder why they did that. It was, she was a very first immigrant. Mm. The go through that process on Ellis Island. So it was a big, like, remember supermarkets used to give, like, confetti things and prizes for the 100th customer of that day? You're right. It's the equivalent of. Mm. Following her brief moment of notoriety, Moore dissolved into oblivion. Not until decades after her death and the closure of Ellis Island was her memory resurrected as the immigration station underwent the largest historic restoration in U.S. history during the 1880s. Moore became the public face of the immigrants who had passed through Ellis Island, but it turned out that the face was put forward was a case of mistaken identity. For years, it was thought that Moore had married a descendant of Irish nationalist Daniel O'Connor, moved to New Mexico, and met a tragic end in 1923 streetcar accident in Fort Worth, Texas that left her five children orphaned. For years, the woman's descendants were invited to ceremonies at both Ellis Island and Ireland. 
It was discovered in 2006, however, the Annie Moore, who died in the streetcar accident, was born and raised in the United States. Genealogist Megan Sholenyak, I'm so sorry, and the New York City's Commissioner of Records, Brian Anderson, found the Annie Moore, who passed through Ellis Island, lived her entire life in a few square blocks on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Quote, she had the typical hard squabble immigrant life, unquote, Smolenyak told the New York Times in 2006. So I looked up where she lived in relation to um, where her parents lived because she was already 17 mm-hmm. when she came to America. So she was already grown, grown enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, she really didn't venture far. It was like she walked off the boat dock and... Stayed there. Stayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moore married Joseph Augustus Skayer, a German-American who worked in the Fulton Fish Market and gave birth to at least 10 children. Oh, wow. Five of whom died before the age of three. Mm-hmm. The family had, an, had enough money for a family plot, but Moore's children were buried without headstones as was she after her death from heart failure in 1924 at the age of 50. Yeah. So where her parents lived and where she and her family lived was around the walk from each other. And they pretty much stayed in the same radius of each other the entire time. That was a high-density Irish community. And just like we have the Chinatown and, you know all Spanish town, all that kind of stuff in neighborhoods. It was mm-hmm. just like that. You felt safe there. You understood each other. You all have the same past. You all have the same wants and needs. Mm-hmm. You just stayed. Yeah. It's community. So a little bit about Joseph. Joseph Augustus Skayer was born on March 19, 1876 to German immigrants Simon and Catherine Skayer. He and Annie married in 1894. Mind you, she came in in 1892, so this is just two years later. They would go on to have 11 children. However, most of them would be would die before the age of three. Per a CNN article, their deaths would be noted on their death certificates as a variety of causes. Some say the causes would track back to poverty. They all tied to life in tenement slums and the conditions in which they had to live. And if you've watched any documentary about New York in the early 1900s, they were gross. They didn't have indoor plumbing. Multi-generational families lived in a one or two bedroom apartment. Mm. A lot of them had maybe one window if they were lucky. It was really sad. Joseph worked primarily at the Fulton Fish Market located on Hunts Point, a section of the New York City borough of the Bronx in New York, United States. It was originally a wing of the Fulton Market established in 1822 to sell a variety of produce and other foods. In November 2005, the fish market relocated to a new facility in Hunts Point in the Bronx. From its historical location near the Brooklyn Bridge along the East River waterfront, at and above Fulton Street in the financial district of Lower Manhattan. Where they lived in comparison to where he worked, he had to leave early in the morning to get there because 
there was no public transportation for them. So he would have to walk, and it was a good four or five miles. And mm. when you sling fish like that, you get there early because people are looking for the best pick. And so you have to get there early because they're there early. Right. So I'm I wonder gonna, if this Fulton turned out to be those restaurants. I don't know. I, I need to, those are really I didn't, good I didn't go that far in my research, but no. I, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Right. It's not like Fulton is a common name with relation to fish. Right. Produce. Right. Annie and her family lived a very uneventful life. She would die of heart failure on December 6, 1924, at the age of 50. Joseph would die sometime in 1960. Most of her family would be buried in Calvary Cemetery, located in Queens, New York. Like many immigrants, their grave markers weathered poorly or were non-existent. In August 2006, her grave would be located and a marker would be placed in October 2008. A dedication ceremony was held at Calvary, which celebrated the unveiling of a marker for her grave. The marker would be a, a Celtic cross made of Irish blue limestone. And I looked up this marker. It's beautiful. It's really well done. Oh, wow. Good. Annie Moore is honored by two statues sculpted by Janine Reinhardt. One stands near Cobb Heritage Center, which was formerly Queenstown, which is where she's from, her port of departure, and another at Ellis Island, her port of arrival. The image is meant to represent the millions who passed through Ellis Island in pursuit of the American dream. Annie Moore's life also inspired the song, Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears, which was written by Brendan Graham after visiting Ellis Island. The Annie Moore Award would also be named in her honor. The award would be presented annually by the Irish American culture. The award is given to an individual who has made significant contributions to the Irish and or Irish American community and legacy. How great is that? This poor girl goes through hell to get to America with her two brothers in tow. Her parents had already gone the year before. Mm -hmm. And she gets off in this foreign country in a land she's never, ever seen, because they didn't have books like that, for her to even imagine what it looked like. Um, and then living the life that she led and dying so early and having heartache over heartache, losing baby after baby. Yeah, for poverty. For, for reasons that were out of her control. Yeah. And then have this honor of her name being attached to great things. Mm -hmm. That Isle, uh, what is that? Isle of Hope and Isle of Tears, that's mm -hmm. also a name of a play that was written about her. Um, it's, she's a very unremarkable girl, to be honest. But for her to be the first to be processed through Ellis Island is, important i mean it's it's our history it's it's how we were uh, you know america came to be the melting pot that it is yeah and it's sad that uh you know they found the annie moore in what arizona and they had her kids 
to attend these celebrations. And they weren't even Irish. They weren't. They had nothing to do with it. But her kids were left out. Yeah. Her surviving children were left out of it. You know, yeah. they missed out on these celebrations yeah. that it was actually belonged to them. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that part is sad. Yeah. You know, because I don't know, if, did anybody ever say anything about that? You know, yeah. that her kids missed out on something that actually belonged to them because somebody out there found the wrong Annie Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they didn't do their homework. No, they did not. <laughs> Because she was born in America. She didn't even come over on a boat. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And that would have been easily found. Mm-hmm. If they had just done a little bit more asking. They yeah. wouldn't even have to find it in written form. They could have just asked, hey, where was your mother born? Is she the same Annie that came through in 1892? Mm -hmm. And they could have said, oh, no, my mom was born in America. Yeah. All right, so I, I have a short say what. This comes from APNews.com, and the article is written June 1st, 2023. It's titled, Woman Walking on California Beach by an Ancient Mastodon Tooth. Aptus, California. A woman taking a Memorial Day weekend stroll on a California beach found something unusual sticking out of the sand, a tooth from an ancient mastodon. But then the fossil vanished, and it took a media blitz and a heart a kind-hearted jogger to find it again. Jennifer's skull found the foot-long tooth sticking out of the sand on Friday at the mouth of Aptus Creek on Rio Del Mar State Beach, located off Monterey Bay in Santa Cruz County on California's central coast. Quote, I was on one side of the creek, and this lady was talking to me on the other side, and she said, What's at your feet? Skull recounted. Quote, I looked kind of weird, like burnt almost, unquote. Skull wasn't sure what she had found, so she snapped some photos and posted them on Facebook asking for help. The answer came from Wayne Thompson, paleontologist collections advisor for the Santa Cruz Museum of Natural History. Thompson determined that the object was a worn molar from an adult Pacific mastodon, an extinct elephant-like species. Crazy. Mm -hmm. We can't get lucky like that. We don't find stuff. When we go on walks or digging through dirt, we went to the beach once or twice or four times and we never found anything cool like that. No. It's pretty neat. It just shows that dinosaurs were everywhere. There's mm -hmm. a whole museum, outdoor museum, dedicated to them in Glen Rose. Yeah. Which is fabulous. If you've never been, go. <laughs> it is wonderful. You can climb on these big rocks. You can have picnics at the feet print of dinosaurs. It is beautiful. Right. So. And then that, the few places there in uh, Waco are pretty cool, too. Yes. The Mammoth Dig Site. Mm -hmm. I highly, highly recommend that one, too. You have anything else to add, Mama? No. Everything. Good story. Really good story. I hope you enjoyed the story about Annie Moore. She may have been a small part of a larger historical event, but she really did leave a lasting legacy. If there's nothing else, please remember to leave us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Music. May your breakfast be hot and your coffee strong.
，拜。Bye